Hey, I'm Jamie Glowacki, and you are listening to Oh Crap, I Love My Toddler, But Holy Fuck. This is a podcast for conscious parents who drop the F-bomb a lot. Hey, guys. Welcome, welcome. I am live here with Dr. Kendra Becker. If she hops on. And so I have to play around a little bit. Here she is. Yay. (laughs) All right. I got it. So I'm sitting in my car because I have terrible self-service at my house. I was on an interview with us uh, to Australia. The phone dropped three times. The guy says to me, oh, you Americans, you always blame Verizon. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of do blame Verizon though for everything. Let me get my volume. All right. Um, I do too. Thank you, thank you for joining us. Um, today, I wanted to sort of geek out on gut health. Um, oh, absolutely. And what I wanted to do, if you don't mind, I'd like to introduce you through my lens of how I met you and, and the work we did together. For sure. Um, my friend Renee had recommended Dr. Kendra for, do you mind if I call you Dr. Kendra? Like, Absolutely, I've everybody never does. you Dr. Becker. <laughs> yeah, please don't. <laughs> um, my friend Renee had uh, recommended Dr. Kendra, because I was going into perimenopause and I was like, I got to figure out, I got to figure out if all my blood works in order. Like, what am I low on? What am I high on? How can I go into menopause? Like the best with the best body I can. And Renee said, Oh my God, you got to go see Dr. Kendra. She can read labs like nobody's business. Like get your blood work done with her. So I was like, cool. Just so you know, she's two States away from me. So it wasn't, it's not always easy. (laughs) But um, we did the blood work, vials and vials of blood work. And uh, I don't know if you remember this, but you called me immediately and you were like, dude, how are you not dead? Your magnesium <laughs> is so low. Like, and I was like, I don't feel dead at all. And you were like, then you can't be pooping. And I was like, no, I pooped twice a day. <laughs> you're like, go drink some magnesium. So, um, so that was, that was awesome. And then, you know, the full panel came back a couple weeks later and it was awesome because you called me. I found you to be so different from conventional doctors and that we spent a lot of time talking about the genetic markers that I had. And you, you see so many people, you probably don't remember this, but I am set up for autoimmune disease, which I knew because of my family history. And you were like, listen, everything is poised and ready. Nothing's attacking yet, but it's there and ready. So this is where really dietary choices and lifestyle can make a huge pull. And so that was super awesome for me to hear it from a doctor because I had heard this online. Mark Sisson, who's like the primal, um, primal blueprint guy. I had read years ago, he said, you know, we're all born with a medical history. We're all born with these genes, but they don't have to express themselves. The lifestyle and diet changes are what can change the genetic expression. And that blew my mind. I was like, oh, that's how it works. So I find though that like for, for, I of course work with parents and kids and, and I, in my community, of course, hear other adults. And I think there's like all this confusion about, you know, how many diets there are, what everybody says about food. And it can be so confusing. And I sort of boil down all the, all the, the confusingness to, you know, find out your family history, find out what you're genetically set up for, and then you can eat appropriately for that. Like, so for me, I eat for autoimmune, you know, I stay out of nightshades, no dairy, no grains, pretty much paleo to keto in that realm. And so to me, then that narrows the path, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So can you just say a little bit though, Kendra, before we even jump in, 
I recommend naturopathic doctors all the time to my clients because obviously I'm dealing with children with extreme behavioral problems and or pooping problems. Mm-hmm. And I find that across the board, there's a skepticism about mm-hmm. naturopathic. I was, I don't know, I kind of grew up in San Francisco where all modes of medicine and, and, and therapies and all therapeutic things were were cool. So I never, I always thought naturopathic doctors are great and they have their place just like strictly Western doctors do. But can you say a little bit about it? Because I find like there's a, a suspicion that like you don't have medical training or you're somehow not a real doctor. Well, it's, it, well, that's an interesting, uh, this last week, interestingly enough, I got hit very hard on social media about the fact that I am, and I quote, not a real doctor which hasn't happened in, you know, almost 15 years of me being on social media. So your timing is absolutely impeccable. But no, in fact, naturopathic medicine has been, is the original medicine. So it was the medicine that everybody followed up until the pharmaceutical companies, Rockefeller, Carnegie and Mellon basically took over and rewrote the agenda and opened their own medical schools and really started promoting their, their own quote medicine, which was a pharmaceutical model. And it was really based off of the intent of Rockefeller to do more stuff with petroleum. And if you look at a lot of pharmaceutical medications, you will see that the base for a lot of them is actually petroleum and other toxic substances. So what they did about 70 years ago is they started to kind of change the narrative. And they started using words like charlatan and snake oil salesman, which was really what the empirics or the original medicine doctors had called medical doctors at the time because they had very little to offer. They had risky surgery that likely killed you. They had lead, they had mercury, and they had bloodletting, none of which was abundantly glamorous or safe. So so, uh, naturopathic doctors have been licensed since 1895. In Connecticut, we actually got our licensure because naturopathy had been recognized for over a hundred years in the seventies when all the, you know, the super governmental regulation came down the pike. So what the naturopaths did is they said, look, we've had a law in the book since 1895. We're going to take this law and put it into modern language and put it on the books and, and board certify all of these doctors. So it was really around that time where all medical schools got together. So whether you're a chiropractor, a DO, an MD, an ND, whatever, the medical school training for the first two years across the board is exactly the same. We all dissect bodies. We all learn in, you know, you know, cellular, molecular biology, biochemistry, the whole nine yards. The second two years of school, uh, depending on what kind of doctor you are, is really where the differentiation comes in. And that's the case with naturopathic medicine in the sense that those last two years of school are where we focus on homeopathy, acupuncture, herbal medicine, and really, you know, what we call in naturopathic medicine, the the tenets of naturopathic medicine, which are removing obstacles to first do no harm, like all doctors. Mm -hmm. And then removing obstacles to cure, which is where I think naturopathic medicine and conventional medicine differ completely. Naturopaths look at how you are living, you know, the person that you are, you know, your environment, your food, your exercise, your stress, the whole nine yards and help you remove the things that are causing your what we call disease or illness. Whereas conventional medicine basically just gives you a pill to stop a, a metabolic process that happens to be annoying. There's no cure. It's just disease maintenance. And so that's well, where and yeah. don't you find it's gotten worse because I know like especially for me, it's my mom. My mom's health is failing sort of rapidly. Mm-hmm. And I think because of the way, especially in the US, the way the insurance company set up is that you have to specialize. 
of right, course, make any sort of money. Yeah. And so what I found that I'm going to my doctor's appointments with my mom and there's no holistic approach. And it's like, I always say, I give this example. It's like, she says her ass hurts and they give her medicine for her ass hurting. And I'm like, well, then you look and both her knees are broken and nobody even saw that her knees were broken. And that's why her ass hurts. You right. Know? And so it's like Absolutely. super compartmentalized. And so, um, and that's exactly, there is no whole body approach whatsoever. And I always say that to my patients, because as you know, just like in your business, people show up after seeing six specialists where nothing works. Like if they came to me first, there'd be one visit and that's it. And that's the crazy part. And I think that that's, and I always, you know, have this, you know, fantasy of patients coming to me first for prevention as opposed to coming to me for mitigation after really just being completely unbalanced by a whole host of things that didn't really serve their health at all. And so, yes, I think that there's lots of opportunity for conventional medicine, you know, the pharmaceutical model and holistic medicine to work very intimately together. I also think there's lots of opportunities to, you know, really not have the need for conventional medicine, except for if you have, you know, get run over by a bus or bitten by a shark or something. So I think that it all depends on what, you know, the individual's approach is and what the individual's level of comfort is. You know, I told a patient the other day in the office that I've had opportunities where, uh, you know, I haven't used antibiotics to treat strep infections, which she, you know, like blew her mind. And uh, so we had a long conversation about that. But I mean, it's we've become so over medicalized with absolutely everything. You know, even babies, you know, now have to be born in a hospital because that's a, a medical, you know, experience where it's not, you know, it really isn't. Yeah. And I find in my work, too, that there's, again, that medical model, everybody wants a quick fix. So for, you know, largely speaking, for me, I work with really difficult poop withholders and it can be sure. a constipation of withholding. It can be anxiety or fear and it can also be constipation. You know, I would love to send everybody to a naturopath because it's like healing the gut and there's all these sure. other issues that can be at that play. But even the pediatric GIs are like, no, more Miralax, more Miralax. Yep. More Miralax. And I always tell this story. I worked with this client who the pediatric GIs, like at Harvard and Yale, these are big guns, had this kid on seven adult doses of Miralax a day. His anus was shredded. Oh, yeah. He had anus, anal fissures. We couldn't even get near this kid's butt. We had to heal his butt. Right. Six weeks with like sits baths and, and herbs and just going super slow. And I was like, I would have sued that guy for malpractice. Like he blew your kid's soft tissue around his anus out. So I find that it's very, um, it's that same thing. It's that nobody's even looking. I had a pediatrician tell me that diet didn't matter. And I was like, look, I love you, man. I pediatricians are great. They have their place, but are you kidding me? Like the food that goes in and comes out. (laughs) Well, especially of the gut, like you can really under almost understand the compartmentalization, even with the cardiologists and the neurologists who we all know that the nervous system and the cardiovascular system are intimately connected with what we eat. But that's an aside. But it absolutely floors me every time that I have GI doctors that tell my patients that diet has nothing to do with what's going on with their gut. And I'm like, uh, it does, though. (laughs) well can you talk for a minute let's talk like about gut like what does gut health i want to talk about two buzzwords because i don't watch network tv but i was happened to be at my mom's and i was watching and i saw three commercials for big things one was dove that mentioned gut health and microbiome and i thought yeah right y'all are advertising (laughs) for something that 
you know, like the words are being co-opted. I feel like, like organic, like we know yeah. that organic kind of has entered a whole nother shady land once, totally. once corporate interest entered the play, um, right. the playing field. So can you talk about those and what it like really means? <laughs> sure, absolutely. So let's talk about the microbiome first, because okay. we really didn't know a single thing about the microbiome a decade ago. Legit. Right, right. It's and a new thing. It's all it is. So what we have learned is the microbiome is our, our unique balance of our gut bacteria and microflora. Our microbiome okay. is as unique to us as our fingerprint. And there are huge, you know, a, a gazillion things that influence that. Whether you live with pets, whether you're a vegetarian, whether you live under power lines, whether you have genetic predisposition for autoimmune disease, whether you've taken antibiotics, including one week's worth of antibiotics can completely change your microbiome. It's crazy. So, you know, let's talk about that first. You know, what we need for, from our microbiome is the perfect balance for our unique individual to be able to digest, assimil assimilate, and manufacture the right things for our bodies. So if we are missing a particular bacteria that absorbs vitamin K in the large intestine, for example, our bodies are going to be out of balance. If we are missing a whole host of beneficial bacteria, we could end up with conditions like C. difficile or, you know, sensitivity to oxalates, which is my biggest contention with Miralax, you know, which Miralax and I are not friends. And, and you know, oxalate, I oh, just said I'm obsessed with oxalates, oh, right? Now. <laughs> oh my gosh, me too. Stop me too. eating spinach, people. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Stop with the green smoothies because the oxalate, just, just one real small tangent, you guys. You can Google yeah. oxalates, but it's, it's uh, Sally Norton is the leading expert. And oxalates overload contributes, it can form crystals and it can lodge in your soft tissue in your spine. It yeah. can lodge in your thyroid. It can lodge in the soft tissue over here, causing all kinds of allergies. And the biggest one is spinach and the, the amount of green smoothies that we're drinking. So just... Right. I, I, just, I don't want to talk about oxalates today, but it's oxalates right. My new thing. <laughs> oh my gosh, totally. But oxalate, so oxalate, humans are designed to absorb oxalates. Let's not scare everybody away from spinach because it's super yummy. But um, in the sense that if our guts are in balance, but like you said, if you have a leaky gut, these oxalates can be very, very dangerous and harmful. You can bind them up with different things. So for patients that are really suffering, and it's interesting because for me, I do a lot with the skin in my practice. And so I can see the difference between an eczema rash that's caused from food sensitivities and one that's caused from oxalates. It's, it's absolutely fascinating, really? but definitely it's a force to be reckoned with. And they are, and the way I describe it, just like you did, is they're these tiny little crystals that work like a piece of glass in your GI system. And so they basically hack up your GI tract if you are absorbing way too many oxalates and things like Miralax increase the amount of oxalates that can be absorbed by the human body. And that's super, super scary. So definitely take a look at some of that research if that's something that you think concerns you for sure. But let's go back to the microbiome. So um, illnesses, you know, weather changes, all of those things can influence what's going on with your microbiome and turn on and turn off genes that can express things like autoimmunity or, you know, any restless leg. There's a gene for that, you know, things like that. So we want to make sure that we keep our microbiome in the perfect balance for our body. And that is completely uniquely individual to us. How would you know though, if your microbiome was out of whack, what would be some, like, well, how do you know you're short on vitamin K because your microbiome's off? Well, so, <laughs> I mean, generally, if you feel good, your microbiome's probably in pretty good shape, okay. right? Yeah. So, you know, people don't generally come in my office and are like, check my microbiome. I just want to make sure it's square. You know, people come in the office and there's something wrong. 
And so doing an assessment, you will have an idea of where you're kind of at with what is out of balance. Now, you know, naturopaths, Hippocrates, a whole bunch of cool kids believe all disease, you know, begins in the gut. So for me, that's generally the first organ that I treat with my patients. And so for that, you're always, I mean, we spend our entire lives balancing our microbiome, right? We drink water, we eat food, we poop, we balance our microbiome. It's just innately what we are supposed to do. So there may be other offsets or tangents that we have to support if we've taken antibiotics, if we've taken other pharmaceutical medications that could disrupt the microbiome, if we have some, you know, stubborn or persistent condition that is creating problems. Problems that brings you into the doctor's office. So absolutely. Yeah. And I want to take a, a small tangent there because you said something that was so intriguing to me. If you generally feel good, and this is a funny thing because I'll get, I've been interested in health and nutrition and fitness my whole life. And I am mm-hmm. often mocked, like my family uses that crap. I can't believe it's not butter. And so they'll tease me over the table. They'll be like, oh, can you pass the poison, please? Because I'll call it poison. And I'm mocked for like trying to feel good all the time. And, and somebody, you know, People in my family say, you know, we're all going to die sometimes. And I was like, yeah, but I want to die. I don't care if I die tomorrow as long as I keep feeling good. Like, you know, and that do you find, I feel like we've gotten skewed into thinking that we all should have something like, oh, I have acne or no, I just have, I have, you know, colitis or right. Like the human body really wants to be well, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. The human body is always intent. Its intent is always to return to homeostasis or balance. And what I say to my male patients all the time, because I find men are more cavalier than women, like as women or as moms, a lot of women come in like fearful, right? Fearful that they're going to be debilitated or sick or dying and have children to take care of. The men are really cavalier and come in with that attitude. Well, I'm going to die sometime. I said, listen, I said, humans at this point are genetically predisposed to live a hundred years. It's your choice if you're going to go out in a diaper or if you're going to go out making love to your fifth wife. And so at that point, they say to me, okay, I'm going to address this. You know what I mean? (laughs) So, and I, I agree with you. And that is the first thing that I dispel in my office is no, we do not all need to have something and no, it is not age and, you know, old age that is giving you X, Y, Z condition that you've come into the office with. Absolutely not. Sure. And I think in our little ones, cause you know, my interest for today, of course, my, my audience has little kids is, um, I would say like one of the most common things is eczema and the idea that eczema is just sort of a natural childhood thing. And, but it's indicative of the microbiome being off and, and, and gut health not being completely sure. Completely Absolutely. On, right? Absolutely. What can people do? Um, uh, talk about probiotics in gut health. Sure. Sure. So probiotics are a little bit of a slippery sword because probiotics are incredibly beneficial if they are used properly. So what probiotics do is they are beneficial bacteria that help other beneficial bacteria grow in the gut. We need beneficial bacteria for the proper absorption and and, um, assimilation of the food and nutrients that we eat. So, however, if probiotics are just kind of used willy-nilly, a couple things would happen. Number one, you get really expensive poop because they're not being absorbed, assimilated. They're not seeding your gut. Or number two, sometimes you can have like not a great reaction to it. Like there are certain probiotic strains that cause anxiety. There are certain probiotic strains that release histamine. You know, so you have to be really, really careful about how you're administering probiotics and what they are for. Mm 
Having that be said, I've been taking probiotics religiously every day of my life or almost every day for the last probably 25 years. I swear by them. I've tried a whole bunch of different strains. I've done, you know, sport, there's a gazillion types and we can probably do that another time is talk about the difference and nuances yeah, of yeah, probiotics yeah. because there is some stuff to, you know, there's, there's some meat there. And so what happens is, is then somebody goes out and buys a probiotic, tries it and has an adverse reaction and then writes a nasty blog post about how holistic doctors and nutrition are a bunch of hacks because they had a bad reaction to probiotics that caused an autoimmune disease or whatever. So we, ha- we definitely have to be careful, but they can be incredibly beneficial to helping reseed the gut and balancing our microbiome, which of course helps with our immune system, neurotransmitter production, sleep, aging, and, and the rest of it. Sure. Well, you just piqued my interest too with the, um, I did not know that certain strains could cause anxiety because another thing that I'm seeing in my work is rampant anxiety in very little ones, which, oh, I thought, yeah. wow, a two-year-old, like, where's this anxiety? You know, like anxiety, we, we know, like, a, you know, a five-year-old going into kindergarten may exhibit some anxiety, you know, but like this right. undiagnosed anxiety in real little kids. And I know that probiotics are super just popular, you know, I think they're another buzzword. Are there any, short of going to a naturopathic doctor and finding a good strain for you, are there any general rules of thumb? Like I had heard your probiotic has to be refrigerated. If it's shelf stable, stable, it's not great. Or is that, is that true? Or So that's, it's funny that you say that that's a constant argument in my office. So I have formulated my own probiotic over the years because I've decided exactly what I want in it. I know my strains are safe. I picked out the exact nuances and this, that, and the other thing. So my probiotic is processed cold, ship cold and remain cold. A friend of mine owns a supplement company and he has a probiotic in a blister pack. And the way his is processed, it's freeze dried and it's, it's done by some fancy, you know, blah, 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 you know, probiotic, you know, word thing. And his does not require uh, refrigeration. So I think more than the fact that they should always be refrigerated, which quite honestly is what I tell my patients, there are some strains and some manu- ways that probiotics can be manufactured that don't require, you know, constant refrigeration. Mine are process cold, ship cold, and remain cold, but some do not require that. And so what I would say is, you know, you're pretty safe with lactobacillus acidophilus, number one, you know, and that's, I mean, lactobacillus acidophilus gained notoriety like back in the seventies. Like I remember going to the health food store and getting frozen yogurt with my mom in the machine and she'd be like, oh, it has acidophilus in it. It's good for canker sores and it's good for eczema, you know. And and that's how they kind of sold the frozen yogurt at the time. So that one you're pretty safe with. And then what I would say is just check in with your manufacturer, like look on the manufacturer's website, see if you can find some information about how their probiotics are manufactured and shipped out to you. Cause that's a bigger problem. Like if they took my probiotic and shipped it to a health food store and put it on a shelf, like all my sexy 30 billion bacteria that I handpicked and, and reared in my bed are now dead. And how about gummies? Is there any value to probiotic gummy products? I think that it depends on the manufacturing. I'm not a huge fan of gummies in general, unless you can find organic gelatin. You know, I use gummies medicinally in my office, but I have not found a, a really great success story with a probiotic gummy. You're better off in a powder, like a super concentrated powder. That's a tiny amount that you can just kind of sneak in your kid's cheek and they won't notice. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, I know my dentist too. Like my dentist was super high on no gummy. She actually, I said, what about gummy vitamins? She said, bring them in and I will buy them from you. Right. You know, cause they're just, yeah. they're getting stuck in kids molars and we're giving all the vitamins and probiotics, everything by gummy. Let's say everybody just feels kind of good. What's the best way to keep your gut healthy or to. Yeah. That's a great question. You don't have problems. And then I'd like to talk about poop. Okay, perfect. Oh, uh, who pays the mortgage in my house? Let's go for that. But um, so as far as trying to keep yourself healthy, what I always say is remove exogenous stress, right? Do the stuff that you can control. Eat clean, you know, eat the right diet for you. And like you, Jamie, as you know, we've all done every single solitary diet out there. You have to find the one that's right for you. Ironically, I land exactly where you do halfway between paleo and keto. And, you know, if I feel like I need more energy than I have, I'll do, you know, a strict 30 days of keto, uh, ketogenic and get into ketosis. But for the most part, especially in the summer, like, how do you give up watermelon? You know, you just can't do that kind of thing. So, um, but that's not, that's not a diet that's right for everybody. I, like you, you know, have been knee deep in my genetics and know that we have some carbohydrate sensitivity in my family. And so it's a problem. Yeah. I have to like keep every day is like another level of carb addiction awareness. totally and insulin sensitivity is my new thing and i'm like shit i don't it's bummer (laughs) it is it's a it's a total bummer like we leave tonight for costa rica and i'm like what i'm not gonna have a mango in costa rica come on exactly exactly (laughs) i have a pool i'm out by the pool you have to eat watermelon it's the law you know and so so anyway yes and, and you also have to live the other thing is is you know being mindful about your food is one thing and being mindful about your uh environment is the other wi-fi you know, all of this pinging of all this radiation is a wreck for the microbiome people. So, you know, if nothing else, what I always say to my patients is turn your Wi-Fi off at night. You know, you're, you're not using it between, you know, 8 p.m. Well, at my house, it's 8 p.m., but maybe 10 p.m. at your house and 6 or 7 a.m. in the morning. You know, and then once people get really comfortable with that, what I say is turn your Wi-Fi off the whole time and turn it on for the two hours you're actually in your house using it. You know, be mindful about, you know, the products you're using in your house. You know, anything that's got a smell basically has a carcinogen in it. So all that smelly laundry soap and, you know, fabric softener, those are all, you know, listed as carcinogens on the FDA site. So, you know, those things are completely, you know, damaging to the microbiome. So, you know, it's just the old expression, dirt cure. So if it's natural and it's, you know, organic from the sense that it comes from the earth, you're probably pretty safe with it. And those things completely help balance your microbiome you know, without having to really be complicated, you know, without having to get a, an expensive console, without having to get expensive lab work, you know, without having yeah. to, you know, be concerned about expressing your genes in a way that's unfavorable for your life. Well, I love, I love that you're giving these really broad strokes that I feel like we all forget. Cause I feel like all of us yeah. are looking for like a dietary magic, pill. not, not, you know, like a one size fits all, like tell me how to eat and yep. I'll be fine. Or give me the pills and I feel like removing stress is so such a big deal. And that's my work with parents is like getting people out of the culture busy with their kids, getting out of the rat race of who can be the best parent because they do the best activities and they show it on Instagram and really like stay home with your kids, like bring it all down, you know, because that's huge. Yeah. And also I just sent in for Rhode Island, I just sent in my um, petitions for no 5G. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for well, doing that. The thing that. about the 5G yeah. that totally freaks me out is that you can't shut it off. No. So that ability to shut off our routers at night and give your system a rest. Yeah. So 
So I'm yeah. <laughs> oh my god, the five the five G keeps me up at night. Literally, I just that worries me completely. Yeah. And I hope people start to look really solidly at the research around it because the research is not favorable. So the research you know, is not favorable, and I live in Rhode Island, which is like so corrupt. It's more corrupt than a Connecticut. <laughs> and just, for me, it's always like follow the money. You just follow mm-hmm. the money, you know. And and. Yep. I, I mean, a very quick thing is I went paleo years ago before it was a trend. It wasn't even called paleo yet. And um, I had such a bad arthritis. I couldn't get out of bed standing straight up. And specialist, 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 nobody, nobody mentioned diet. I happened to go to Mark Sisson's site one day and and he said, grains cause inflammation. And that's the root of almost Mm -hmm. all disease. And I was like, what? And I just tried no grains for a week. Within five days, Kendra, I was standing straight up out of bed. If my arthritis pain went away, the inflammation went away. So I was like, this has to be fringe information. This is going to be like not found on Google. It's right there in WebMD. So then I'm like, well, how come nobody's recommending this? And then you just follow the money and you're like, oh, okay. It's all just a big money game. Yeah, absolutely. This, this, the same thing happened to me. We were pretty strict paleo for about three years. And then you're like, like, I don't know. I woke up one day and I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, we eat too much meat. I was like, we need to do a vegan cleanse. So I did a six week vegan cleanse, got rid of all the meat, added all the grains back in. Everything hurt. My wrists, my knees, like th- joints I didn't even know I had hurt. And I was like, never mind. I, I just, I'll add some more vegetables. It'll be all right. And literally went back to a paleo diet. Right. But so, I mean, it is different strokes for different folks. But nonetheless, you know, you have to do what's right for you, for sure. And now, what would you tell? Let's say I, I, let's talk about poop and kids. So one, you know, right now I currently have three clients who were experiencing such bad poop troubles, got themselves to naturopaths. And within months, the naturopath said it was a gut issue. They were able to, with, you know, the right medicines and herbs and and protocols, absolutely shift things. And so, you know, I've been working with a pelvic floor physical therapist too, like all these different things for kids who are withholding poop or they're super constipated. What's your take on, I don't know that there's anything else to say except (laughs) straighten out your gut to get your poop. Like if your poop's not good, something's wrong. I I feel like that's the hard thing that people have. Okay. So poop, I find to be absolutely fascinating, particularly in little kids because they are a complete open book right? So uh, I'm going to say this, this, and this, and you're going to be like, oh, dude, I've treated these kids for five years. It's not that easy. But the kids that withhold poop and then have those giant poops that clog the toilet, dairy sensitivity. Kids that withhold poop and then have those giant poops that like, you know, it's like the sticky poop that sticks all over the toilet. That's gluten. So that's, those are the two things, undigested food, low hydrochloric acid. So there is a lot of indicators that we can get from poop alone, period, end of story. But, and then like you said, the pelvic floor, the low tone, potentially a Hirschsprung's colon. I mean, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of different mechanical things that can definitely play into what really, you know, kids struggle with, with poop. But I would have to say the first and foremost thing is the food, right? It's the food. And so these poor kids are completely constipated. They wait three or four months to get into my office. They come in and the first thing I do is upend their diet and send them out on a probiotic. And I'm like, I'll see you in four months, you know, and patients are like, oh my gosh, you know, I waited all this time, you know, I was expecting this elaborate protocol. And I'm like, listen, you know, what I do here is I end up taking away more things than I ever, ever add as far as complications into your life. So it can be absolutely, 
absolutely, you know, it's, it can be an easier fix than what you think, I guess, is the point I'm trying to make. I think it's also, except that I think what's happened with food allergies is we all know the pain in the ass person Mm -hmm. is like sensitive to gluten, but is a pain in the ass out at the restaurant. And I find what I run into is I get so much kickback from parents. And of course, I'm not a doctor. So if I I say, go see a doctor, try to get an allergy test, because I do think it's dairy or gluten or this. Right. And I get major kickback. I'm not giving up gluten. I'm not going to be that guy. And so mm-hmm. people view giving up gluten as not an easy fix, as like, oh my God, this is totally wrecking our lives. Do you get that kickback? Or they're just like, no, I'll listen to you because you're a doctor. <laughs> right. So, I mean, the way I, I treated you with your visits, I don't mince too many words, as you know. Right. And right, right. so, you know, I have kids that come in that, you know, have IBS-like symptoms. And so I say to them, it's your choice. Give up gluten or poop in a bag in 20 years. You know, and I go through the whole pathophysiology because it is shown time and time again, you know, the diagnosis of celiac disease was something that old people got when we were kids. Then when we were coming up in college and things like that, we were starting to see it in the 20 and 30 something set. Now I have kids and my kids' friends have diagnoses of celiac disease. We are seeing this stuff lower and lower in younger and younger ages. Celiac is a great example because we know in approximately 30 years, there is so much profound from time of diagnosis to 30 years after that with celiac disease, there's so much damage that can be done in the colon that the likelihood of a colon resection is almost 100%. So, so, I mean, this is stuff that I just, I am completely honest with these kids, you know, not the little ones that, you know, I don't tell them they have to have general anesthesia and go under surgery uh, because that's scary, but little kids, you know, the other thing too, with little kids and poop is what I find is a lot of times it's a way for them, as you know, to kind of control the situation because they're not being heard and they don't have the verbal skills at three, four, and five to say to their mother, you know, I'm pissed you had another kid you know, or I'm pissed you went back to work when I went to preschool or there's, you know what I mean? And I think that there's a, and that's one thing that they can control. So I think there's a huge emotional component to poop with these kids in a lot of cases. I find too that, again, I feel like we're in an anxious world and I feel like parents are super on edge. Not just, I mean, not just like, is my kid going to get shot at school? But it's like, you know, like we're just in a very anxious world and I, I equate it to that. But let me ask you a question because I'm, I think probably my poop practice is bigger than with kids is bigger than yours. I run into withholders who withhold when they release, they will release normal poops. And it's um, what I have come to view it as in my work is that it's almost like the anus muscles start taking those sphincter muscles get like locked. And then I usually do a protocol of suppositories to just get the muscle reopening. And then the kids are are generally fine. Um, Do you run into that? Like the withholding, that's more of an anxious it's, it, I don't know that it's dietary because once the poop comes out, it's normal. Yep. So that I use homeopathy for, and I see it a lot. The other thing is, you know, we live in the Northeast. You know, people who live in the Northeast have very low levels of magnesium intracellularly compared with the rest of the country. <laughs> so I get for that, I get that has a special name and I can't remember what it's called. It is associated with gluten sensitivity in some cases that kind of, um, like, like that spasm, that locking yep. spasm. Yep. And in some cases it has to do with low levels of magnesium. Yeah. So. I recommend magnesium all the time because I just thought, well, I mean, number one, it's calming for the kids. Yep. We, we've been in hell this summer, mm-hmm. right? With the temperatures, they're sweating it out. Right. And I just think, like you said, that we're all so low. 
And mm-hmm. sometimes I'll get some kickback. He's like, well, I'm not giving my kid a supplement. And I'm like, yeah, but they've been sweating all day. And we naturally have like low vitamin D, low magnesium living in the Northeast. So yeah. Um, and the chlorine pools, people, the chlorine pools bleed your magnesium. So, okay. oh, know. heck yeah. So generally what I recommend is a topical magnesium before going yeah. into a chlorine pool and then yes. after. Yep. Yep. That's good to know. I'll yeah. Heck yeah. Kendra, this has been amazing. I like kind of want to just, I don't know, hire you for like three days and go through everything. Cause I've got all the details. And I'm like, how do you make your own probiotic? Like, how do you make your own Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, you'll have to come. That that was so fun. We took our kids on that tour. We went and toured the the facility. It was like magical. My husband and I were like, oh, we feel like we're in utopia. (laughs) Right. So, Kendra, um, do you do long distance consults with people? I do. Okay, that's great. And you can be found at the Family Wellness Center of Connecticut, right? I sure can. I have my own personal website. That's drkendrabecker.com. And okay. your um, viewers will love the fact I have an e-course coming out that's called Keeping Healing in the Home. It's all natural diet, natural hacks that you can have at home if your kids get sick or if you're worried about treating a condition that you don't want to show up at the doctor's office for that really is going to be a useless or a wasteful you know, visit. So here's, you know, eight modules of all kinds of amazing information, homeopathy, herbs, uh, supplements that is, uh, and, and also how to, you know, clean and green your home. That'll help keep your microbiome happy and healthy. Wow. That's amazing. Let me know the minute that's out. Cause I will. Okay. Absolutely. Will talk that for sure. That would be so helpful. All right, Kendra, I want to not waste any more of your time. Not that this has been a waste, but, uh, <laughs> thank you so, so much. And, um, if you want to let anybody else know like where they can find you. Kendra, sure. Dr. Becker.com. Yep. Dr. Kendra Becker.com, Family Wellness Center of Connecticut and Waterford. Um, I'm all over YouTube. If you're looking for any of my lectures about genetics, epigenetics, microbiome, diet, uh, all of that. And I'm on social media. You can find me everywhere. Dr. Kendra Becker on uh, Facebook and Dr. Kendra Becker, uh, all one word, no spaces on Instagram. Great. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I'm going to sign off for today. You can always go to jamieglowacki.com for the super cool latest updates, including the launch of my new book, yummy new book pre-sale treats, when we release new episodes, and how to work with me directly. And of course, if you need any potty training help, there's a handy link there that will take you to all my potty training resources, including all my courses. That's the Oh Crap Potty Training online course, my pooping solutions course, and my night training supplement. And if you need additional help, how to book with a certified OCRAP consultant. That's all at jamieglowacki.com. Have a beautiful day and rock on.